have a reading can be found on page 1015 of the Bibles. It's taken from Mark 10, 35 to 52. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we, w- we want you to do whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other on your left in your glory. You don't know what you ask, what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard this, heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Tim. Um, I told uh, before the service we had a prayer, so why was the, the storm coming? And... Whenever I preach in a new place, uh, the light just went off. And uh, the first time I preached in my home church, when I was reading the Bible, the light just went off. And everything happened whenever I preached the first time. So at St. Michael's, the storm happened. <laughs> if you want to blame someone, that's me. <laughs> before before we, uh, we, we go into the, uh, the scripture, let's, let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you're... you're the scripture is a light to our part. Tell us and show us the way to the scripture today. For your glory. Amen. When we don't see things clearly, it can be quite dangerous. As we have seen recently, witness about uh, uh, something the Nazi has done and things like that. When in history also we can see when we don't see what we are following, it's quite dangerous. And what about following Jesus? When we follow Jesus, some expect to happen things like that. A lot of things they expected, but when it's come to 
when, it, when they open the Bible and see things, it's not quite the, what they expected. So before we, see, before we follow Jesus, it's very important that we, we have to see it, who Jesus is and what are the things that, uh, that we need to know before we follow. Before we jump straight into the passage for today, let's look briefly about the political situation when uh, the Gospel Mark was written so that it can help us see and understand how the people back then follow Jesus so that we can learn about how we should follow Jesus at the same time learn from their mistake as well the Jews were under the Roman Empire after the death of Caesar he uh, after his death Caesar was honored as a god the new emperor so that the new emperor can become the son of god it's quite a, a good thing that to do. You call him God, and then you become the son of God. And then the emperor worship started. Meanwhile, Mark introduced his gospel from the beginning, saying, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. Right from the beginning of the gospel, Mark deliberately challenged the whole empire with their emperor worship that who is going to be the son of God. It's like Mark is saying, hold on, let me tell you who is the real son of God. And this is his good news. And the gospel started. Since the oppressed Jews were desperate for a leader uh, who would overturn, overturn the Roman Empire and lead them into a whole new era they have been expecting, many times they were led astray by many so-called Messiah and saviors. But there came Jesus, a new rabbi in town, healing the sick, driving out demons, calming the storm, feeding the thousands of people miraculously. What a time to follow a leader like this. Is he the person our forefather were longing to see and whom the prophet has been prophesying? Many follow him, believing that this is going to be the Messiah who will deliver us from the Romans. And imagine this new rabbi, who is so popular those days, invited some of the outcast people of the society personally to be his disciple, so that one day they will replace him when he's gone. Perfect! Here come the twelve disciples. Why would they be so happy about you know being called to be a follower? No rabbi will call such lowly, uneducated people to be his disciples. But this new rabbi was different. He called his disciples from the outcast community, such as tax collectors, fishermen, lowly ordinary people just like you and me. So let's get uh, back into the Gospel of Mark. The author loved to tell the, new, the good news in past. From this passage, we see two stories deliberately put together to show the readers how they should follow Jesus by showing how some follow him with wrong motives. The first bit will be uh, from verses 35 to 45. The first bit, verse four, uh, 35 to 45. Some follow Jesus without seeing. Some follow Jesus without seeing. Who else loves uh, that voice from a counter of a hotel saying, What can I do for you today, sir? How may I help you, sir? 
I don't know how you feel when you are those kind of, you know, cushion, but for me, it's so heavenly. You're tired, you're jet lagged, and the hotel said, what can I help you today? Ah, it's so nice. What about hearing from the master himself, who performed miracles and wonders? Now he asks you, what do you want me to do for you? From the master himself. Wow, I would love to hear that. Let's put it this way. Jesus said to Guy, Guy, you have been a good follower of me at St. Mike's. I'm pleased with you. So in return, I want to do something for you. What do you want me to do for you? Wouldn't it be nice to hear it, Guy? (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice to hear something like that? What do you want me to do for you? But sadly... This is the kind of question some of the 12 disciples have been longing to hear. That's why they have been following Jesus. They want to hear some things like, Okay, you guys have been following me so faithfully. So what do you want me to do for you? They had, followed, they had been following Jesus because they know that one day when Jesus takes down the Romans and become the new emperor, they will be glorified at the left and the right seat of Jesus. Now they are in a good place. They know how glorious those things are. Even among the disciples, they were always competing one another. And two of them seized the opportunity to ask the master to push their agenda. They said to Jesus, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Whatever we ask. Seriously, whatever we ask. Who is the master now? Is it Jesus or the disciples? But Jesus listened to the request and answered, You don't know what you're asking. That was the reply they got. Does this part of the story ring a bell to you? I felt like I'm seeing myself in the shoe shop James and John. I've been asking a lot of things, which I don't even know what I'm asking of to God. It would be like being, you know, Becoming a royal family members, and still you want to live like you want to live in your own way rather than that of the rituals and traditional traditions of the royal family. Rather than performing royal duties, you are asking favors from the queen to fit your purpose of becoming the royal member. Clearly, you did not see the duty and responsibility as a royal family members. The same with the disciple. They don't know why they are following Jesus. They just follow Jesus because they want Jesus to fill their agenda rather than they following Jesus' agenda. Some follow Jesus without seeing. The second bit of the story, uh, verses 46 from, from verses 46 to 52, a blind man follows by seeing Jesus. A blind man follows by seeing Jesus. Of all the story he had, Mark filled up this piece of the gospel with a story of a blind man called Bartimaeus, who is going to see and follow Jesus. Do you see the irony here? Those who think they see Jesus, they actually didn't see Jesus. But this blind guy comes in and see and follow Jesus. It's exactly what the prophet Isaiah prophesied. 
Seeing, you wouldn't, they wouldn't see. Hearing, but they wouldn't understand. They see Jesus clearly, but they don't see him. They hear what Jesus is saying, but they don't understand what is going on. As a blind man, Bartimaeus, he, he relied on what he hears. One day, a great crowd passing by, he listened to what they are saying. He might even grab someone and ask him, what's going on? And once he asked, what's going on? Jesus is passing by. He shouted on top of his voice, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he persisted. Son of David, have mercy on me. Why son of David particularly? Why that name? Son of David. Even the disciples did not call him son of David. This blind man seems to know the Old Testament quite well. Son of David is the title for the promised king of God, who is coming to reign God's people. And this son of David is passing by him. Hearing the shout of uh, the blind man, Jesus stopped and summoned him, and he hurried to him. There he heard the best thing in his whole life. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? The exact same question that Jesus asked to James and John. Now the time the blind man got the same question. It's it's a no-brainer to ask what a blind a blind person wants in his whole life, especially from someone who can perform miracles and cure diseases and cast out demons. Without hesitation, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Unlike James and John, he knows what he asked for. To this Jesus said, Go, your faith has healed you. Go. Your faith has healed you. Now that he can see, what would he do? Mark tells us immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Jesus said, go. But he did something different. Mark told us immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. What? Shouldn't you be running home to your family and to your loved one and to the people who have been care- who had cared you so much for all this year? He didn't do that. He followed Jesus along the road. By the way, where are they heading? Towards Jerusalem, where Jesus said he will be persecuted and he will die on the cross. They were heading to that road. To this direction, Bartimaeus was going along. He was blind, but now he sees clearly who the son of David is. Still, he chose to follow him. This is what Mark wants his readers to know. See Jesus clearly and follow him. Do you see Jesus clearly? Do we see Jesus clearly when we decided to follow him? What promise is there to those who follow Jesus. Let's look at it in, from verse nine, uh, 29 previously. Uh, let me read it, uh, the verse 29. Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields 
for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, home, brothers, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Do you hear that word? Along with persecution. That's astonishing. Jesus tells us that if you follow me, there will come persecution with you. Do we see that? I don't know where does those teachings come from. When you believe in Jesus, everything just happened. Your life seems just so nice. Everything becomes so smooth. I don't know where these come from. Jesus said, if you come along, there will be persecution. A hundred times, Jesus said. But in this life, a hundred times you will receive along with persecution. We are never promised a life free of worry or stress or hardship or persecution. Do we see that Jesus we are following? Yet, there are more to come after this life, which is eternal life. How nice is that? Do you see this as well when we follow Jesus? We will, become, uh, we will go through lots of persecution, but eternal life waiting for us. What is the false narrative that we buy into, you know, uh, we, hear, we keep on hearing repeatedly and terrified when it comes to uh, following Jesus, especially when it comes to the cost of following Jesus? You might wonder, if I follow Jesus, I would have to neglect all the funs and enjoyment of life. I would be a weird Christian who will have to forsake all this, you know, go to church every Sunday. I'm afraid I might have to give up all this. Let me give you two examples. The first one, I had a privilege to ask Charles and Tricia, our former vicars. I asked them, Charles, if you will have to repeat your life from the beginning, will you be willing to be being a vicar, you know, that part of your life? <laughs> Do you think you lost a lot of things? Uh, you miss a lot of fun of the world by being a vicar. If we consider being a Christian, we would have to forsake all the fun things. How much more a vicar would have to sacrifice? Not to mention his wife. <laughs> to, get, to get along with Charles and every time and might be very frustrating. But their answer was like, we would love to repeat that again. I love to hear that. This is a life of satisfaction. This is what the follower of Jesus Christ look like. They have the satisfied. They have their life has been satisfied. The second one, I had a friend, a dear friend of mine, who passed away last year. A good friend, a rich kid. As a teen, with all the money he got from the family, he went for everything he wanted, latest stuff you know, girls and all the fun he can have, and later on, drugs. His mother even had to buy him cocaine just to keep him at home. Imagine as a mother, you buy cocaine for your son just to keep him at home. He had been through all the pleasure of a young world person can indulge himself. 
But when he turned his life around and go to a Bible college, we happened to go in the same church. One night he told me something which I will never forget the rest of my life. This is what he said. Never forget the life that you have here at the church and all the fun you are enjoying here are the most precious pleasure you can find in your life. Never neglect this. I have been through a lot of things in life. So trust me, this is the, the best fun you can have. Don't trade this with anything else. As time passes by, I realize how true what he said was. We thought, you know, something outside would be nice. Going to church is weird and we don't know what's going on here. Something might be more, you know, attractive there. Churches are there. But for, with my life, I have seen that all this fun, playing with the kids every week, teaching the Bible, such a great pleasure. I would love to repeat that again. By following Jesus, we will find the satisfaction of life. We will go through a lot of hardship in this world. But we are promised we will receive a hundred times what we had lost. This is not my promise. This is the promise of Jesus, who, who was raised from the dead. Do we see this? Do we see the satisfaction of following Jesus can give us? So today, as followers of Christ, rather than waiting for God to ask us, what do you want me to do for you? Let us ask God, what do you want me to do for you today? As our eternal life is secured, what do we do in the meantime? Let us serve one another. When we go to church, rather than expecting what the evening service will do for us, let's look for a way we can serve through the evening church. By the way, uh, if we keep on expecting the church to give us satisfaction, we will always be frustrated because there is no such thing as perfect church in this world. But if we think churches are the place where we can practice our service to God by serving other people, we will always be satisfied to serve others. There we will find good churches everywhere we are. A lot of people going church shopping, they went here and there, they can't find a perfect church because perfect church doesn't exist. It is a place where we come together rather than being served, we serve other people. If you don't come to church like that, that will, you will never ever find a good church. Starting from the church, let's serve the people in our workplaces, serve our community wherever we are, the world has enough of dictators and masters who would lord it over their followers. The world needs Jesus. And we, as Jesus' followers, are the living testimony of Jesus. Finally, it wouldn't make sense if we say we follow Jesus, who said, I did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many. Yet, we still lord it over other people. We are still the boss every time. That doesn't make sense. Our follower, the greatest master of all, he is the greatest servant of all. 
and we are following Him. Our master is a servant. We can't be lords and master over other people. Even our master is servant. He is the greatest servant of all, and his followers should be as, as well be following his footstep. Do we see Jesus clearly as we follow him? Do we see Jesus? Let us see the master clearly and follow him, like the, bar, the blind man Bartimaeus did. Thank you very much.